NFL podcast is ready for Hollywood, baby. <laughs> Hollywood Park. Oh, a little different. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses. Come to you from a virtual room filled with a couple of heroes. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. We just had back together Saturday over on NFL Network. We weren't really involved with the programming. Uh, <laughs> but it also reminded me that we're, we never left. We've been back together for about nine straight years. So while everyone else was hugging and making pleasantries after long vacations to the south of France and, and, and the like, uh, we've been together. Uh, joined at the hip forever and ever. Virtually. We um we are, I think, looking forward to being back together in a studio, though. I, I think at least I've reached that point. I don't want to well, speak me and you for have, you guys. I think Sessler's in a different Maybe place. Mark isn't, but I, no, I, I, no, no, I've no, done well, enough yeah. stuff from home. I feel like I'm ready to reenter uh, Hollywood uh, Park. I, we, we don't know if we're going to be there for week one, but that is our hope. That is our hope. I, I would say I, I would be ready to be back in a studio setting with you guys. Absolutely. I think it's the... You know, pepping your step, walking around the office and like chit chatting with people that, that I, I know, but I know <laughs> that I can see Greg's intense zeal to be back in that environment. That's the stuff that I'm just going to I'm going to reiterate. I don't find um, authentic or pleasant for me. Like, other Greg people is can, Greg is the corporate schmoozer of the group. But, uh, that Please. is true. <laughs> well, then you Please. definitely are. <laughs> Dan is, I feel like, of anyone. I don't know. I am not um, a schmoozer. I'm not a schmoozer. I, I do feel like, though, we are in different wavelengths, like. Back Together Saturday would have been great to be asked to be a part of. It was a big event. It was very cool. They were in 32 teams inside training <laughs> camp live. It's there. That said, um, I didn't mind that the second we were done with our show on Friday, it was like, I'm home. Vaca- you know, weekend starts now. I went to the beach on Sunday. I, uh, I bought a tortoise this weekend while everyone is, you know, in Cincinnati talking about the offensive line over guys stretching. I, I was fine with that. If they don't want us, so be it. <laughs> Right. I feel I felt a little left out, um, but I will say our producer Ricky Hollywood did an incredible um, Instagram live on NFL Up, and I actually joined that for roughly Ooh. 28 seconds. So I was grinding on Saturday for oh, about wow. half a minute. Oh, so another thing that I wasn't invited to this weekend by NFL Media, Ricky, and Ricky, by the way, as we bring her into the conversation, she has a new and it looks very expensive. She has a brand brand new signage behind her, right over her back, and you would think, oh, she is the producer of this world known. NFL podcast. I mean, it's a really good position. It's set her up well in a lot of ways. Uh, she must have an around the NFL podcast sign behind her. No, it's her vanity podcast, the broadcast podcast. Yep, that's, that's on my right. radar too. A little yeah, cranky we'll on sure, this Monday. Yeah, you are. Make sure you check it out, you guys. The broadcast podcast available wherever you get your podcast. No, it was cool. I did like ten, nine or or ten NFL up lives. So we were. I was in Detroit virtually. Talked with Cynthia at the Rams, talked with Colleen at the Eagles. Like, we were all over the place. But um, David Blau, you know, the Blauhards, his wife qualified for or won. The, what what happened with the Olympics? It was the 400-meter hurdles that she qualified for right. the semis. Really, yeah. really showing your respect for her right here. <laughs> I, I, w- I had so much going on, I, I, I truthfully wasn't paying attention. And that's why I called in Mark to handle the Blauhards. Developing know. news. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, hey, I thought I handled it very well, by the way. I mean, I, I looked back at the footage that I provided and it was professional. Uh, I was concise and it was yeah, exactly what people were asking for in your garage, showing your kids toys on the Instagram. Well, that too. You know, I can't, I can't help the setting. You know, it's, yeah, it we're in a great. time of pandemic. So 
Melissa That's Gonzalez, true. his high school sweetheart, who yes. qualified in like the 400 meter. Hurdle. High school sweetheart. That's a thing, huh? Mm-hmm. I guess I was just confused about the word, the wording, because I'm I'm uneducated. But like, if you're qualifying, does that mean you're not running that race in the Olympics? Obviously, right? I think you're moving on. You're moving on to the next version of the race. You, you you can just like look these things up in about thirty seconds. But yeah, they they um you know they have three races to get to the finals. It's sort of like quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. The 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 fastest mm. people in each then advance to the last one. It's all the Olympics. Uh, at this point, okay, yes, so she's in Tokyo. Sort of just a basic on, sporting Erica. theory, and you know, it's a fundamental. But yes, I'm just just making conversation, and I'm asking for the listeners out there because not everyone might know this. Okay, that was good. So, check out the broadcast point podcast, the JRVP. <laughs> that podcast comes up a lot on the show. I mm-hmm. I bring up I bring up my that one actually podcast. pays Erica, so she should like you know promote that too. You know, well, so does this one, Greg. Oh, that's true. that's true. But she's sort of sewn for. She's been consistent in showing that this is like the least important job she has uh, this for a is my while. Favorite so that, job. I, that I Stop expect. It. That I expect. I bring up the throw- I bring up the throwback podcast with such little frequency on this program that my partner on the show, Bob, is got so mad about it that he stopped listening to this show to for to get revenge on me, which was really some. Petty stuff. Is that working? Like, does is that form of revenge like in, inflicting you or hurting you? Or do you? It doesn't hurt not? me at all. I told right. him that, but uh, that was his. It was his way of getting back at me, I guess. But check out the Spicy. throwback pod. Sounds like all you wanted an excuse music. to stop listening. We don't need you, Bob. <laughs> um, indeed. All right, big show coming up. Training camp full swing. Everyone underway this weekend, and now this week, uh, we're starting with. Uh, the pads are on, and they're, it's taking the next step, and we are all in now. So we're very excited to dig into that. And what better way to dig in uh, to Training Camp's true beginning than with another edition of Training Camp Whispers. But before that, let's do some news. Right. So we wanted to present you David Carr <laughs> no 2021 way. NFL Network Best Hair. That's right. You got yours. <laughs> Look at that. I tell you what, man. You're the best. You're the best. This thing. Ooh. So so now we're giving out trophies for best hair um, at NFL. So not only this weekend were we on the sidelines, uh, we're giving an award, an actual trophy, to David Carr for having the best hair at NFL Media. And first of all, the United Hair Federation doesn't recognize the trophy. So keep that in mind. Two, um, listen, I love David Carr. Nice guy. Really good guy. Handsome dude. Former number one overall pick. College legend. Um, but does he need a trophy? Does David Carr need a trophy? And does David Carr, on that note, when we're talking about his hair, does it have the volume that we're looking for? Does it have the kind of pizzazz? Does it have the personality? Or is it just the nice mop of black hair? That's... That's I just... knew this would be on your radar. I saw like a, a poll where it was like, who has the best hair? And there was only two options. It was Carr or Burleson. And I'm just right. thinking, like, what is that? Hansis is out here. He's not pleased. This is I on know, his radar. And... If it was best facial hair, you clearly would not have talked about this award on the, no. around the NFL podcast. And, <laughs> and here's the thing. Uh, GMFB <laughs> did some Fakakta uh, poll. And then we had the, uh, the network 
doing their things. Groover, who does awesome. We like Groover down in the uh, newsroom. He set up some type of thing. Who has the best hair and, and put some handles on it? Mine wasn't there. Your name was not even included. And it that's wasn't even... I, it wasn't I think even... that's when you checked out of. Yeah, you can say you weren't included. Well, neither, yeah. neither were mine or Mark. So what are you saying, Dan? Well, well I, let me when, tell you I'm this. not within a thousand meters of that. Let me that tell you context, this. Nice go to the mentions. All these cute little tweets <laughs> sent out by the various uh, program arms of the media here at NFL, and see what's in the mentions. What the fans think. Who the who the fan <laughs> champ is? The people's champ. <laughs> it's the people's champ. You're the people's champ. It's the old Zeuser. <laughs> it's the new old blue eyes. With the best hair. You know who we think has the best hair, Dan. And I, I would say this, like, it kind of reminded me that Saturday of that episode of The Office where Jim, for whatever reason, was locked away in, like, a distant um, closed office on his own. And he wasn't with all his friends. And it was just sort of a quiet episode where he wandered around lonely. Here's Dan, not asked to do anything on air, not even invited to Erica's live Instagram, and not part of the hair poll. I think the hair poll would have been a tipping point moment for you where you just mm. turn off NFL Network and say, yes. smell you later. No, well, listen, you, you know me very well, Mark, and you nailed that all exactly. Dead on, Sizzler. Let's get into the news. Unbelievable. Colts head coach Frank Reich said Tuesday that Carson Wentz will undergo foot surgery. It's happening. And we'll be out 5 to 12 weeks uh, over on the athletic Stephen Holder reported that Wentz, this is an injury he suffered way back in the day, maybe even as early as high school, and over time, according to Holder, the broken bone became loose and caused pain. Um, this was, Greg, a tough decision for the Colts. They, they apparently really struggled with the decision. Do you have them play through um, a chronic foot injury or do you get it fixed before it gets worse and ruins the season? Well, five to 12 weeks potentially can ruin the Colts season. It, it could. If, if the Titans weren't already the favorites in the AFC South, I think they already were. Uh, they are now. Reich actually said it wasn't a tough decision. I think the problem was that Wentz was pushing, reading between the lines to try to play through it. He said the doctors were very clear on it. And, you know, they, they almost seemed to be responding to reports that Wentz was going to try to play through it, that it was tough. He said it was, it was absolutely crystal clear. And I just think like, okay, that's good. But, you know, it's better than being in uncertainty. But if the solution here is that Jacob Eason is their starter, and that's what Frank Reich says in the meantime, and that Carson Wentz, who it seems like wanted to try to push through this thing, is going to be pushing to make the you know the early part of that 5- to 12-week timeline. You have to be a little worried that, A, Wentz comes back quickly, B, he doesn't practice training, you know, he hasn't been in training camp at all. C, like, he is nothing without his athleticism, and D, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league anyways last year. So, to me, it's like I was already looking for reasons to not quite believe in this Colts team because of Carson Wentz, and this just adds a a lot to it. I mean, the whole idea of Wentz having, you know, a comeback season, a bounce-back campaign, was that he would be in this marriage with Frank Reich, but it would also include, you know— chemistry with his wide receivers, getting to know a new offense. I mean, one that he did know essentially with the Eagles to some degree, but it's a new environment. You're completely wiped away. And something that we mentioned on our network show on Friday was that, you know, schedules are schedules, but we're getting closer now where we look at teams and we know what they are. And let's say that he misses those 12 weeks. He doesn't come back until essentially the Monday before their week eight contest with the Titans. 
The games he could be missing are against the Seahawks, the Rams, the Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Ugh. Texans. That's We could probably potentially beat the Texans as a starting quarterback. Um, and the 49ers. That is a rough road. I mean, that, month, that first month is brutal. Really brutal. So even if it's, if it's, you know, if it's five weeks, though, if it ever were and he were healthy, that's before the start of the season. But it's going to be somewhere in between there, I would imagine. And maybe the surgery works out where he ends up on the, the better side of the timetable. Yep. Uh, but to your point, you're right. I mean, this is a guy that needed a total reboot on his career. He got it. But part of getting a total reboot is you need that kind of fresh start. And you need that foundation that comes with a full training camp and a preseason and working with these new guys and getting accustomed to this new world you're in. Now he's going to get dropped into this world of regular season football. And let's face it, most likely be in a position where the Colts need to win. Uh, to to imagine them coming out of September anything better than 500, uh, it feels... Uh, it feels like generous to me. Uh, we don't know. You never know how this stuff plays out with the schedule. But very tough break. And I and I was in this on this podcast anyway. I saw Wentz as uh, I was buying into that hype that he could bounce back this season. But now he's so behind the eight ball. In addition to all the concerns that you laid out, Greg, that it just feels like this is heading down a bad path for the twenty twenty one Colts. One other thing I note though is that Carson Wentz last year, you started to see a quarterback that I think had lost his confidence had lost that thing that can make quarterbacks believe in themselves, and he kind of lost that belief. And so the, the whole Reich thing was rebuilding him mentally. I think the situation, the timeline, makes that part of it even tougher for a guy that probably needed to come in feeling extremely prepared, extremely confident, knowing the people around him. And he was off to a good start for a couple days, but it, the train is completely off the tracks. And honestly, signing Nick Foles, which felt like a joke a couple days ago, becomes more and more real because Nick Foles today basically said... To the media, Frank Reich is, if not my the, one of the best coaches I've ever been around, one of my favorite coaches of all time. I mean, that relationship well, exists the there too. He's still with the Bears, so they would have to work out a trade on that on that front. But yeah, that feels like like what? Why wouldn't you do that at this? Because point, of right? Wentz, I think because people are concerned with Wentz's oh, feelings. Think of all the decisions that. the Eagles made, being afraid of Wentz's feelings. And I I think that might be part of it. I I get the Colts wanting to see what Eason looks like for a week or something like that. There's no huge hurry. Um, supposedly, it hasn't looked good. I remember being there in 2017 when Scott Tolzien and Philip uh, Walker, and there was another one that I'm forgetting about right now. Stephen Morris was there, and they couldn't complete a pass. And supposedly, that's what Colts practice has looked like for the first four or five days or so. Mm. And it's like, you're not getting much done. Uh, your center, Ryan Kelly, who has a big contract, is out for a couple of weeks. You have Eric Fisher at left tackle coming off of a torn ACL. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. And, like, again, like you said, Mark, like, even if he was back week one, is he going to be making quick decisions? That's not Wentz. He holds on to the ball. So, to me... Scout Tolzai. <laughs> yes. Scout Tolzai. I totally forgot that about that. That's amazing. That dude. I, I, um... I think you got to trade for someone because you can't count on when staying healthy. So if it's not Foles, then it should be Mariota or it should be Jacoby Brissett, who they did trade for back in 2017. Not sure the Dolphins would have any interest in dealing him. I kind of think they wouldn't. Um, I don't know. Cam Newton, maybe right before week one, would he ever be available? I'm just like throwing out names here. Some sort of backup that isn't going to ruin your season. They did sign Brett Hundley, by the way, but Brett Hundley's probably boy. the best quarterback on that roster right now. I mean, that's crazy. boy. Um, the one thing I'll add before we move on, Greg, the dynamic between the Colts 
Wentz marriage is totally different than the Eagles Wentz dynamic, which was a marriage that had a lot of backstory to it. And a lot, it was like a married couple with a lot of layers uh, to uh, what's going on behind the scenes. And it became really, uh, you know, naughty, naughty situation for them. And now (laughs) it's kind of a fresh start, right? Double meaning of naughty there. I feel like, yeah, a little bit of a double meaning. And uh, so if I'm the Colts, I can't worry about, hurting Carson Wentz's feelings. I'm trying to save the season here. Tough stitch. I agree. All right. Agree. In other news, the Ravens, they might have gotten better on defense after signing Justin Houston to a one-year $4 million contract. Houston had other offers uh, for a gig. In fact, better offers than Baltimore uh, had out there, but he took it to come to Baltimore. Probably a good idea because he feels like a, a Ravens guy that could thrive at 32 years old. Uh, a nice situational pass rusher at this state of the game. And uh, Mark, do you think this is something that will lift Baltimore or they seem to need it here? Oh, I, you know, this reminds me of when the Steelers picked up a veteran pass rusher a couple, Ingram a couple weeks ago, where you just think it's going to work. I think it's going to work out fine. I don't think Justin Houston last year was uh, the same guy, but he still had eight sacks. And like, you look at who Baltimore had, Pernell McPhee, Tyus Bowser and Jalen Ferguson combined last year for seven sacks. So, you know, they have a first round rookie as well, but they needed help. And I think Houston's like the perfect kind of guy to come in to Baltimore. He obviously wanted to be there. He took less money to go there. That's unusual. So, yes, I like the fit. Yeah, it's just two million guaranteed. So he did not have a strong market, even if he turned down a better deal. They always figure it out. I, I have big questions. The, the offensive line in Baltimore is totally different, quietly. I mean, it could be better. But it's Kevin Zeitler, it's Villanueva, it's a new center, Bozeman. The defensive line, they're going to count on this rookie, Odafe uh, Owe, for a lot of snaps. Good. Uh, good having guy. having Houston out there, though, to me is big. They always figure it out. Like this second-year guy, Matabuke, their defensive tackle. It's like they just have like guys coming out of their pockets that end up working out way way better than you expect. <laughs> and I'm sure for the Ravens, this feels nice because you remember in the offseason when they were trying to get another wide receiver – uh, everybody kept on telling them no, and they were signing elsewhere for lower money amount. Juju Smith-Schuster comes to mind as one of those guys. And somebody wants to come to the Ravens, and I think it's a smart move by Justin Houston. In other AFC North news, Marky, the Cleveland Browns got a deal done with a star on their offense. But it ain't Baker Mayfield. It is Nick Chubb, the star running back and team agreed on a new contract extension uh, that covers three years, 36.6 million, 20 of that guaranteed. And uh, while people, Mark, can um, debate whether to do a deal with Baker right now or to wait, this one feels like a no-brainer. Nick Chubb is a certified badass. Keep him in the building. Keep him happy. Give him the money that he's deserved. It feels like a no-brainer to me. And, I, you know, you, you, you certainly see the... Um... The debate on Twitter over paying a running back even this much money, and it's it's not it is not the most he's not the highest paid running back by any stretch at this point. He's well paid, but I look at him. What he I, I cannot think of a Cleveland Brown um, in years and years that I've enjoyed watching more than Nick Chubb. I just think he 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 rumbles like a train through the valley. He's beyond elusive. He's a total home run hitter. Um, he never speaks out of anything negative. He barely smiles. I think his career right now, if you look at the numbers, align with like Jim Sounds Brown. Like a well, you know what? I honestly I think he is like he is someone. Also, when you pay him, he's not going to go soft. 
or change anything he does. I, I really think this is like one of the last real men. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper? The strong, silent type. Um, on the earth, and I don't care about running back Ooh, money. Like I think this. you pay the people on your team who are the most important. And Nick Chubb is honestly the heart and soul of that offense. And I, and I think that, by the way, he's going to be a good running back by the end of this contract still. I don't think this is, not every running back is going to fall off the earth four years into the career. I mean, he just seems different to me. I take offense to that. I mean, I consider myself a real man. I'm sure a lot of Nick Chubb's professional football teammates consider themselves real men. And yet Chubb is like one of the last ones on earth, apparently. <laughs> well, you know what? It's because when's the last time you saw him like posting selfies and, you know, doing like TikTok dances? No. Like the guy is just a different type of dude. Kareem Hunt was asked like, oh, have you have you seen Chubb, you know, this offseason? You hung out with him and he was like, no, nah, man, all that that guy does is eat and work out. Like, he doesn't <laughs> want to see anyone. He's not hanging out with anyone. Uh, I, I found it fascinating. They gave him this contract on the same day owner Jimmy Haslin um, revealed that they just re-signed Paul D. Podesta, their chief strategy officer, to a contract extension. They didn't make a big deal of it. He, he went out of his way to say this happened a while ago. D. Podesta didn't want it announced because that's been such an argument in analytic circles. I mean, D. Podesta was literally played by Jonah Hill in Moneyball. He, he is like one of the guys, and the Browns are one of the teams at the forefront of this movement. And it's this whole argument, don't pay running backs money. It's like, no, that's, that's not the argument. I think we've now gotten to a point with these, some of these contracts that it's, it's sort of what the analytics are saying, which is, yeah, of course you pay the Nick Chubbs. I would take Nick Chubb personally over any running back in, in the entire NFL to give a Thank long-term you. contract. He would be number one. But if you look at his contract, look at Derrick Henry's contract, mix into a lesser degree, but similar. The guaranteed money's all in the first two years. It's really just a two-year contract. Chubb, Chubb could have been a pain and, and pushed for more. It's basically a two-year, $20 million guaranteed, three for 36. That's very reasonable. It is not the Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, give him quarterback money with guaranteed money into the fourth-year contract. And I do think that is the impact somewhat of analytics in the front office. It's, like, it's sort of a happy medium. Of course, great running backs are worth money, um, but maybe just not Ezekiel Elliott money. So, you know, it's almost a reward to the guy that is just the grinder that does his does his work behind the scenes delivers on the field doesn't give any anybody any trouble doesn't go to Cabo and alert the media uh, about a contract holdout and i just like good job mark the browns rewarded a guy that deserved when he a took reward. it like Le'Veon bell would have never taken this contract zeke elliott would have never taken this contract they would have they would have probably played out the final year of their rookie deal and and Gone to Cabo. Know, made some made some noise yeah yep in other news seattle seahawks Jamal Adams, he wants to be the highest paid safety in NFL history. He's been wanting that for a long time, dating back to his Jets days uh, when he forced a trade out of New York. Now he's in Seattle, about to enter his second season after a strong debut, but he's not practicing yet. He's missing um, practices with his team, although he's at the facility. Uh, he's staging essentially a sit-in, a hold-in, as they call it. He waits to get the contract, so he'll okay. be happy with his team again. <laughs> Love it. I, I, the minute I saw this, I was like, Dan is just, he is doing a jig around his home because <laughs> it's so predictable. You have to say that it is so predictable. And it's almost like the Jets were ensnared in this, um, you know, call it a naughty K-N-O-T-T-Y issue with Jamal Adams. And they just handed it away to Seattle. And now Seattle's dealing with it. And Pete Carroll called the talks amicable. And the suggestion is it probably will get worked out. But I would just say, like, in 2021, 
who wants to be the team that's gearing up to like to pay the most expensive safety? It just doesn't feel like the thing everyone's galvanized to do. Especially an in the box safety. I'm with you. That isn't known. You know that if if you're gonna pay someone, the ghost of Ter- Earl Thomas would be the guy. Who, by the way, I think staged the first ever Holden. I I need to copyright that. I think I I came up with the Holden. That's pretty good. Melvin Ingram did it last year. I remember he was just hanging out for a couple of weeks. The fact that they don't seem to be sweating it suggests to me it's probably a deal is probably coming. Dwayne Brown also maybe uh, doing a hold in in Seattle. It's a little unclear if it's injury related, but he definitely wants a new contract and he's definitely not practicing. And that seems also like, so they might have dueling Holdens right now. And relax Seahawks fans. I'm not real. I'm not like, I'm not truly doing a jig because I agree with what Greg's saying. Deal's probably going to get done, but I will say this from experience. Be very careful. This is a temperamental personality you're dealing with here. And if your contract hits a snag, and you, bad blood starts to build, he is not someone that ever holds his tongue, and it can cause issues, as we know. So I'm all for Jamal Adams getting the money's worth. I know that he's a box safety, but he's also something that he offers something that really no one ever has done at his position at this level, which is his pass rushing ability, his ability to sack the quarterback, which has huge value as well. So I think he should get the contract. I just wonder also from a bigger picture with the Seahawks, this is such an important season in their trajectory, like going forward. We know all the Russell Wilson drama uh, from earlier in the offseason. We know where Pete Carroll stands. He's the oldest coach in the league. And, you know, it's been a while now since they've been a true uh, force in the NFC. Um, if things go south after the season and, and the Russell Wilson relationship sours further and maybe he's not even in the picture, are you building around a safety that's being paid higher, more than it? I don't know. Is it make sense to hold off on Adams? Uh, but will Adams allow that without mm. things getting ugly? It's it's tricky, tricky business. But remember the the terms of that trade when they sent two first round picks uh, to New York to get Jamal Adams the, when he wanted a new contract. It gives Adams all the leverage in the world. The Seattle Seahawks have to pony up, they have or it to. becomes one of the worst trades in a very long time. You, you raise you raise great points. That Seattle to me could be anywhere. I you know they could make the Super Bowl. They have enough talent. But they, it could also fall apart. Like, their number one cornerback right now is Akella Witherspoon. Number two is DJ Reed. Like, it is a long way from the Legion of Boom. You have to have things come together. And I saw this, the whole, like, are we going to run the ball a lot again? Like, talk is starting up again in Seattle. Like, because ultimately <laughs> that's what Pete Carroll wants to do. But it doesn't want to, like, say it out loud because he knows everyone gets fired up. But every time I kind of doubt the Seahawks, they end up winning, like, 11 games. It's really hard. They're going 11 and five. I mean, but I do think that there are 11 and six. There are potential rumblings on the horizon. If Russell Wilson, despite his tweets saying how thrilled and happy he is right now, um, all that could bubble back up, you know, come late January when they've been knocked out of the playoffs again. To Dan's point, I think it's Russ or Carroll 2022, unless they go to the Super Bowl. But I do think it feels like a no brainer who the organization should pick. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, the, the Seahawks have been good for so long. And even though I'm using good and not necessarily positive right now because they're kind of stuck in this this good cul-de-sac. And being in the good cul-de-sac, it keeps certain people happy and paid and employed, but it doesn't necessarily lead to the Lombardis. That just winning double-digit games is not going to be enough for this team. They're going to have to make a substantial playoff run or I really do see um, changes coming. Um Changes in the depth chart of the Minnesota Vikings, a quarterback in training camp, Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond, uh, the the 66th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, uh, were among 
the Vikings placed on the reserve COVID-19 list on Monday. Uh, that's a problem uh, because Kellen Mann is the guy waiting in the wings of quarterback. Kirk Cousins is the starter entering, I believe, is his fourth season in Minnesota. He's the locked and loaded starter for the Vikings. Uh, and this is also the same Kirk Cousins. And here we are talking about COVID-19 again because you cannot avoid it. Uh, famously last year said, if I die, I die. A little, a minor tweak of the famous Ivan Drago, if he dies, he dies, <laughs> referring to himself when, when he was talking about precautions to uh, slow the spread of COVID-19. So I don't know. Does that sound like a guy that's vaccinated? Not particularly. And, right? Well, and I the mean, fact that he's out of practice uh, tells us he's not because that's why Jake Browning, do I have the name right? Yep. Yeah, Jake Browning. Jake the Snake Browning. <laughs> Can't say I'm overly familiar with Browning's work. You could have Googled that in 30 seconds. <laughs> Ooh, I got it right. That's um, fair. That's fair. Um, Browning <laughs> threw over 100 passes, according to uh, reporters, in Saturday and Sunday's practice each. He was literally the only quarterback because he was vaccinated. And so Kirk Cousins, even though he doesn't, uh, he didn't test positive, as, as far as we know, because of the rules, because he's a close contact in that quarterback room, you know, he and their, their fourth string rookie are out, you know, can't practice at all. And they Brutal. actually had to, you know, sign uh, Cookus today. They worked out our old friend, Old McDonald. Uh, so at least it's getting uh, our old friend. Wait, you got to get, you got to go with the full Rex, name. Cole, Cole McDonald. You got to go with the full AKA name. Old McDonald. Yeah. Not even Cole McDonald. I'm talking about Case Cookus. Case oh, Cookus. That's awesome. That That's feels like, um, like when you buy like a football video game and they don't have NFL licensing, like that would be one of the quarterbacks. Case Cookus, it's hard to believe that's a real human, but um, he is. I will say Zimmer seems steamed, um, oh, and he's, he's not alone. He's in that Ron Rivera territory, and they've got a bunch of stuff going on in Washington too. I think Zimmer basically said like they asked why certain players were not vaccinated. He said they are reading some stuff and they're involved in certain types of um, information campaigns that to him are just like, what are these people talking about? So I think he's just beyond, I think these coaches are trying to like counsel these guys to get it up to the 85, 90 plus percent range. And some of these teams are, some of these coaching staffs are having a really rugged time uh, convincing aspects of the team. Right. When he said some guys are staunchly against it, I think he was talking about cousins. I mean, because cousins, you know, is, is making the choice, even if you don't, test positive that you're risking an example like this how about this quote from zimmer referring to our friend jake browning jake is really smart he's vaccinated he's out there (laughs) he's available it's important to be available in a team sport and this is a big year for uh mike zimmer by the way you think he's pissed because all this bullshit and let's be honest that's what this is well to me and i think we're all in agreement these guys that aren't getting vaccinated um they put their team in a tough spot, and Zimmer is just trying to put out the, the best team possible here, and he's dealing with something that he has no control over, and you see the frustration boiling over. When it's wasted practices. And, like, look at, I mean, what, if people want to have their own opinions on the whole vaccination thing. I'm all about, like, that debate. That's cool. Like, I'm vaccinated personally, but, like, if you're going to be part of a football team, exactly. like, the, the whole it's point different. is you are wasting practices. You're, you're Like, what's happening in Washington, they have – like seven guys on the list right now. I mean, it's just these things matter. These days matter. And when this, when this branches into week one through week five, week six, and it's going to for some teams, it's a mess. You're, you're very almost seemed in tears because he was kind of, he was just saying, 
do it for me. You know, I, I'm I'm scared. I, I am immunocompromised, and right after that, five or six of his guys tested positive. So that's not working because he's trying to say it's not about you; it's about other people. That's generally this whole argument, but that's not. It's not going to work with everyone. That's what's happening in the news. Hey, listen, I really like David Carr. He's a friend of the show. I remember a few years back, he came on our program, brokered a piece between Greg and I and Derek Carr over some blocking that had been done on social media. David was instrumental, as was Lindsey Rhodes, in, in making that happen. And the only thing, David did nothing wrong other than accept the trophy. Would I liked him to uh, abdicate the trophy? Does that work? Um, yeah, in real time? Uh, just say, you know what? Thank you, Derek, my brother. But I can't accept this because it's not. This is the tugboat's property. Would I have liked that? Sure, but did I expect it to happen? No. Is it too late for it to happen? No. So, so in this David, fantasy land, he is aware of your self-appointed nickname, tugboat. Right. I mean, I, I, I think the first question. You, by the way, right. you know tugboat's like going off right now, so don't act like it's not something that's caught fire. I, unlike all your other self-appointed nicknames, I like this one. I'm, I'm all for tugboat. Don't put that self-appointed and tugboat tag has, in front of it. Tugboat that, has an just, interesting origin organic. story too. What I think tugboat. Work? I think tugboat has an interesting origin story. It's attached to um to weather, <laughs> a real weather event that happened on a very special weekend when we were together. <laughs> so I think it's, sti- it's a, there's true. a little bit more to it than the other eight or nine nicknames that you've attempted to attach yourselves to. I like some of them, Big, Big Daddy Rich or whatever that one, that one, that was nice. Old Daddy Rich. <laughs> that, was a, that was a Chris Wessling joint. Well. Wes likened it to Chuck Daly, uh, the former Pistons coach, and his love of his own hair. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get to it. It's that time of year. Training camp's in full swing. Let's do some whispers. Why do you seem so scared? All I wanted to do was play with you. Whisper. Right. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's a thing. I don't know what that's all about. That's a thing. Let's get into it. Things that we're hearing, things that we're reading, they might not be the top headline over on NFL.com or over on the quote-unquote worldwide leader or over on PFT, uh, Greg's old place of business. Uh, maybe they're not top of the stack. But there's stuff that's going on behind the scenes that are going to have huge ramifications uh, in the short term and potentially the long term for teams. So, Greg, get us going with a whisper that you've heard or care to report on or analyze. I I don't know whether to go with like the big, bigger story. When you described it to me, uh, pumping up like the white slot receiver in the first few days of camp feels more like the classic whisper. And that's what's <laughs> happening here with Adam Humphreys in Washington. I usually don't buy this stuff. Oh, okay, like uh, the nifty slot receiver uh, is getting open when there's no tackling. A oh, shocker here. Um, but hearing how Humphreys is Ryan Fitzpatrick's number one target day after day actually is meaningful to me because you look at what Humphreys did uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, getting 100 targets per season back-to-back years uh, when they were with the Bucks, Kind of forgot those Fitzpatrick Bucks days already. Uh, and you think, this guy's only 28 years old. He got paid because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was injured in Tennessee. And if nothing else, I'm not saying he's going to catch 100 passes. To me, he is a guy to be aware of. And it's another sort of stack here that I'm building in the case of the Washington football team being the most entertaining version of the Washington team that we've seen this century. 
And Humphreys now added to the mix with McLaurin and Logan Thomas, who just got paid, and Samuel and Gibson. I just think he's there. <laughs> Whispers. That's the whisper. whisper. I'm buying this whisper. I'm buying it. This ain't this ain't Chris Hogan on Hard Knocks. Four years, right. $36 million he got from the Titans uh, off that uh, run with the Bucks, and it, it did not happen. It didn't work Ten, out. And the Patriots supposedly tried to give him, like, more money up front. And Stunner. Everyone, that, they got lucky. They got lucky they didn't in that Stunner. Um, uh, and it just didn't work out in Tennessee, and that was a nice setup, it seemed, for him in Tennessee. So I guess I, I temper that. Where, where, where is he at age-wise? At this he's point. 28. That's the thing. He's 28, okay. and he was injured. He was injured the whole time. He tried to play through it. He did not look good. He just it, turned it 28. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like a, a nice uh, – it could be a nice move. I'm with you on that. I mean, I think, I like, okay, we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but there is a scenario where he turns evil at some point, and we get the lesser version of Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> and you and suddenly we have problems there. Well, he won't there. turn evil. His, his game – yeah, his, his play game. Could, I'm not saying his yeah. the character. I'm just saying that another, the, you know, the the film. Another whisper out of Washington there, just in, in that relation, is that Heineke has has come out not playing well this camp. That there is no comp. That even though they're splitting reps a little bit, Heineke. Stunner. Whisper. Struggling. You know, it's it's interesting, and this is, I think, yeah, we're all happy that Ryan Fitzpatrick he's going to get a ch- chance to be a starter, and who would have guessed it um, in 2021. But it is also another cautionary tale of what happens when you blow a first-round pick at quarterback and the ripple effect it has. Because I'm not totally buying this setup as much as I'd like Ryan Fitzpatrick to put together a great 17-game campaign. I think the role that he's been in the last few years is perfect for him as a a relief man off the bench uh, who can help you out in spurts. Uh, But when Dwayne Haskins bottoms out the way he did, um, you're kind of left scrambling, and they now they have this defense this playoff ready defense and they have some pieces on offense and you're just putting a lot on ryan fitzpatrick we'll see i don't know i don't want to be negative about ryan fitzpatrick let me throw out another wide receiver um the whispers are getting louder out in florin park for elijah moore the second round pick out of old miss i'm not you know i'm not gonna say and listen homer obviously but I'm not going to say that this is going to be the Justin Jefferson of 2021, the rookie wide receiver who immediately goes off and becomes a big-time star. But I would be very surprised, based on what we've heard through OTAs and the early portion of camp, if Elijah Moore does not have a significant role and isn't a playmaker out of the gate uh, for the Jets. And a lot of that, of course, goes back to how Zach Wilson develops at quarterback. uh, But... As an example, um, in both the practices over the weekend, they started with long touchdown catches by Moore. And again, there's no pads on over the weekend, and you can't really grab the receiver, so you don't want to get too caught up in these practices. But at the same time, he cannot be covered. Uh, and, and the Jets don't have a great secondary, but that just everything you're hearing is that this guy is different. He looks different. He plays different. And if he turns into a star, that is a huge hit for Joe Douglas to get in the second round in a draft that had several wide receivers taken in the first round. Um, but this last note from Robert Mays over at the uh, Athletic, based on what we saw Saturday, uh, Moore isn't just going to be a slot option for the Jets. He's going to have the multifaceted role of a top-shelf receiver, which is what they need because they have a lot of good guys in that group, including Corey Davis. Corey Davis is a perfect two. If Moore develops into a one quickly, 
the Jets are set up really well at wide receiver. I'd say the other whispers that Denzel Mims, who we were so high on, is like practicing with the third team. Part of that is because Elijah Moore has evolved so quickly. I mean, I, I don't it's it's almost hard to call it a whisper because I feel like I've been hearing about Elijah Moore um, trumpeted from the New York press all spring into summer. And it is super How about some. It is. Whispers. It is extremely <laughs> enticing for the Jets, Dan. I hope so. I hope so, Mark. That, that Ricky, was the rare sound drop, but it sounded like you were saying it live. Can we just hear that one again? I want to hear that one again. <laughs> How about some whispers? <laughs> that guy's annoying. Uh, yo, and proud of me now, Dad? No. Actually, yes. Whisper. <laughs> it's just a, that's a father who's not giving his son what he deserves, which is... Mm. Um, to be told that he's loved and respected. Affirmation. But does. Affirmation. Right. Tough sitch. I, w- I want to see, like, look, last year was maybe the greatest rookie receiver class of all time. Maybe this is a trend. Jefferson, Lamb, Claypool, Higgins, Judy, Ayuk, they all put up big numbers. So now we're, like, expecting a rookie receiver to put up some numbers. It doesn't seem so crazy. It used to be a position that you, you kind of waited a little bit till they got. I mean, that feels like anti-Jets propaganda, Greg. You're like you're already looking at Elijah Moore. No matter what he does, it's just a, you know a run-of-the-mill 1,400-yard receiver. I'm as a rookie that or he could put up over it. If these guys can all go over 900, what what's wrong with Moore going over a thousand too? Like that, it's not so unprecedented now for. Rookies I think for a Jets good. fan though, you'd be peeing your pants because it's been like decades since anything like that's occurred. They haven't had a thousand-yard receiver in six years, which is absurd in modern football. Mark, how about you? Um, I'm going to go to Las Vegas. Hey, Mjark. I will allow you. How about some? Yes, Mjark. Do all your things. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready. Tell me when you're ready. Yes, Mjark. Do you know, Mark, do you know in, um, you know in sitcoms the with when there's a uh, a laugh track? And you could even watch it on YouTube. Like, watch a friend Friends episode right. when they take out the laugh track and how weird it is. And it's almost like you're on acid when you're watching it. When When the drops of this quality... Are, are being just just filtered into the program. Like a David Schwimmer, you, you just give a slight pause, let the drop breathe, then take off. In, in I mean, fairness, though, whispers in the past would always include us just going, whisper. So, you know, he didn't know this was the plan. It's tough, it's tough to adapt on the no, fly. I mean, <laughs> the, the drop comes when I'm like two-thirds through Bing a yark. sentence. How about some... Well, that's listen. And that not, I'll have and not, to not put on when my you're producer. not when you're two thirds through a sentence. How about some? <laughs> so it's just well, like that... I'll, I will. I will take a pause. It'll be a twenty minute pause until the show ends. How about that? <laughs> All right, Mark. You've made your point. No more fun, everybody. My Go ahead, point, Mark. Um, okay, out to Las Vegas. I'm Get just. Him, I'm waiting for her to drop it again. I think there's a little whisper about a guy that was chuckled at. During draft day, Alex Leatherwood. Why did the Raiders pick this guy? His name is funny. He is a total reach. Um, we had our fun with him, as did everyone. But the reports coming out of Las Vegas are that he has been, he's settled in very quickly at right tackle. He's looked great. Um, they say good feet, his hands, he's fluid, and he's got good size. And the Raiders basically have installed more than 400 plays on offense, and he hasn't he hasn't really skipped a beat. And so, for you know, Mike Mayock, I think, needs a win. If you look at actually like Jonathan Abram, like some of these guys that have been drafted that were meant to come in and be stars, it simply have not been at all. And like th- this was the one where everyone thought, Mayock, you think differently, but are you actually capable of picking players for the Raiders that can turn this team around? If Leatherwood clicks, it, c- it does wipe away some of the nonsense that happened with their offensive line. 
Yeah, I think that uh, Mayock's done if they don't show Yikes. progress as a team in these draft picks, um, either from the last couple of classes or, like, you make a good point, if Leatherwood has a really good first year, I think that helps a lot. We, we don't know, like, the, what is the true reporting structure and who's actually making the picks. Maybe it's actually John Gruden, but Mayock in his role as the GM obviously has a voice in the room, if not the biggest voice, and and I think there's gonna someone is going to have to pay for it if they have another bad season. I would also yeah. add quickly that, like, Henry Ruggs, who was another disappointment, um, they noted that he added 13 pounds because he was getting pushed around as a run blocker last year, and he said it... He wanted to basically not have that happen again, and he looks completely different. I, I do think it's it's worth noting that the, the Raiders' big you know changes on the offensive line, other than Leatherwood, was like self scouting. Like they they're replacing one of the best centers of the last ten years in Rodney Hudson, but they did it because there was a guy in house uh, in Andre James that they really believed in. Like that's been there for a couple of years. It wasn't. It wasn't necessary. Denzel Good is also playing that guard that they're replacing. Like it's a couple in-house guys. I think Gruden loves having Mayock there because I think finding the right GM for Gruden, where Gruden's really in charge, is tricky. Someone that he can work with well, but is ultimately subservient in in many ways. I think that's there's like no a, shortage of those guys Mayock. looking to be think, a GM though, Greg. Okay, and you know Gruden fair. has that's a lot fair. of relationships over the last twenty five years. That's fair. Years. That's fair. I just think maybe there's going to be a point with this quote unquote rebuild uh, where there might need to be a sacrifice if the fan base is on fire, mm. if things go sideways again. That's, Who's it that's true. Be? And they have a lot of they have a lot of guys in their secondary. They need their safety morgue to work out. Maybe Trayvon Mullen steps it up a little bit this year. Like they've made a lot of moves. All right, you're up, Greg. Whisper. Waspers. Well done. See the, the slight pause, the little Schwimmer pause there, Mark. Thanks, Dan. I whisper. understand how that works technically, too. That's not what was happening with me. <laughs> Let's go to the most predictable whisper of all time. Shocker. And, and this is really being positioned this way. Trey Lance uh, actually Ooh. looks so good that even though you would have never guessed it in OTAs and minicamp, maybe has a shot to start week one. We should have... Why is that shocking? Maybe it's <laughs> to the to the guys who are there covering it every day. They like knowing more doesn't help because the coaches are saying it. They're watching it. And yeah, of course, Jimmy G looks better in OTAs or whatever. But if you take a step back, this job is going to be Trey Lance if Trey Lance balls out. And through four or five games, uh, four or five practices, again, non-padded, it sounds like he's playing quite well and that he's going to have a chance. And to me, this is a rocket ship taking off. And if he keeps it up and plays well in the preseason, he is their week one starter. I don't know if Jimmy G stays on that team or not, but they people are loving the deep throws that Trey Lance is trying that Jimmy G doesn't even attempt. So if again, if, if they're like even... It, it it goes to the rookie. Like, if it's a, close to a tie, it goes to the right. rookie. And, and right the now pick. they're saying, like, if you just watch the two quarterbacks, it's close to a tie, and Lance offers something Jimmy G obviously does. I mean, come on. I mean, this is this is the hand-picked rookie that everyone's in love with in that building. If he's showing that he is able to play the guitar right off the bat, why hesitate? Pull the trigger. And it's and early. if you could trade Garoppolo, it. It. who knows? Early. Yeah, it's very early, and and things, again, change a lot starting this week once the pads are on and things get more difficult 
uh, for the offensive side of the ball because the defense is no longer playing with one hand behind his back. Maybe Lance totally uh, is flustered once that happens, but if he's not, what's the case for staying with Jimmy G other than just, oh, well, he was on our team that went to the Super Bowl. Like, well, you got to play the best guy, right? I think if anything, you're, you want to put a lot of Jimmy G out there during the summer to, to as we've talked about, He's trade bait at this point. Another quarterback goes down. Suddenly he becomes very tradable and they get a high price for him if he looks good in the preseason Mm. or they get a high price for him anyways. But here's the thing about Trey Lance. Even if they stick to the script and start the season with Jimmy G, I still think you're going to get a sub package with Lance that's just going to grow by the week. He is the same height and one pound heavier than Colin Kaepernick and can do things that Colin Kaepernick could not. And everything they say about him is just that he's pure electricity. If you go watch his college film, there is something about him that you just cannot keep off the field. So I think Mm. you're just going to get a bigger and bigger dose until he just naturally takes over the role if he doesn't take it right away. I think there's a case to be made to keep Jimmy G as a $26 million backup. I know you want to avoid that. For one year at least. If if you're not getting any real exciting offers for Jimmy G— I'd rather have those two than counting on Trey Lance to stay stay healthy and great for 16 games when you have a Super Bowl ready roster. I would just keep Jimmy G. See if he'll try to take a pay, try to force him to take a pay cut, but that would be difficult. But I think and if you're a fan, just, just pay him. Just pay him as the backup. You want Nate Sudfeld as your backup this year, 49ers fans? No. But if you're a fan though, like who cares about Jimmy G's contract for this year if he's totally. not the better quarterback? Like that's stuff that we can all get in the weeds about. But like at this point, you put the better player in, and they have invested a lot more in Trey Lance, if you think about it, than just the money to Jimmy G. Jimmy G is a, a, a more tradable asset than I would have thought before you do a little bit of digging. He's under contract only through 2022, so this year and next. The salary is, you know, pretty high, uh, but if you can factor in a way to work things out financially to maybe take on some of that. I wonder if you took on a portion of his salary, what Jimmy G would fetch in a trade. If you, t- if you didn't take on any of his salary, if you're the Niners, maybe it's a mid round pick, but maybe you get a second round pick for him. If you eat some of the salary, I don't I'd know. I'd rather it's... keep him. I'd rather keep him. I, I, I'm with it, you. Cause I don't want a losing record for the, f- what the fourth time in five years. Quarterback's so important. It's in a, it's a weird situation they're in, but I still would just keep him and pay him. I think that does give you some cover too, because this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. And uh, you're all in in 2021. So if you can, if you can afford to have a backup that's making 25 million dollars, it's a little weird. It's I mean, it's the, but the payroll is set at this point. Like I, you know, just just go go to no, work. It is. It is. All right. Another quarterback news. This headline from Denver Seven ABC. So much for steady Teddy. Period. The rare period in a headline. Bridgewater craters as defense dominates. Where's that headline from? Denver 7, ABC. Troy Rank with the report. Uh, Also in the lead, Steady Teddy had more interceptions than gloves. Oh! (laughs) Oh, In an otherwise accurate training camp, Bridgewater cratered on day four, picked off three times as the Broncos' gnarly defense dropped its fangs. Drew Locke played well during the same time. And according to uh, Mr. Rank, by his count, through four practices, Locke leads the QB Derby 2-1-1 as the team returns to practice Monday and puts on pads for the first time on Tuesday. Um, My point here is not to uh, get into another Teddy Bridgewater debate, but to uh, 
kind of put it out there that there is a pretty decent chance Drew Locke somehow ends up being the starting quarterback for the Broncos in 2021, something that I thought would never could never be the case by the end of last year. And it just seemed like they they knew everyone knew that they needed to get better at that position. Uh, But when you bring in and this, I guess, is where the Teddy talk comes in a little bit. When you bring in someone like Teddy Bridgewater, where the ceiling maybe isn't as high as you want it to be, you might end up in a situation where you're going back to the lock well. Um, and that might not turn out well for this Broncos team that is otherwise ready to make a run. Won't this be like the fifth time in six or seven years that we'll see two, if not three, Broncos starting quarterbacks? And I predict that we will see whoever starts week one, fine. We'll see the other quarterback by the end of week two. Well, Fangio today, uh, Monday, pointed out Teddy Bridgewater Gosh, bounced back no. huge. So oh. it's 2-2 two, it's two, two to 1. Uh, here's, a, here's a tweet. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater pushing the ball down the field today. <laughs> Hits on a 40-yard bob. Oh, my gosh. Cortland Sutton deep. It's a whole new Teddy. I'm with yeah, you, Mark. We'll wait a day. Wait a day. I mean, it's right. just we'll like, probably we're, see, like, you know. We'll probably see both. I think the only chance that we see one is if Teddy gets week one. And I would give him a slight edge to get that, and they just start winning. But other than that, um, you're right. I think we'll see both eventually. All right, Mark, you're up. All right, let's go to Arizona, where our friend Peter Schrager um, noted that someone that I've been down on this signing, the whole concept of the Cardinals going after A.J. Green and putting him on tickets and Uh-oh. you know all this other business. It's like, are we really talking about A.J. Green this way? But according to Schrager said that he has looked incredible out there at Cardinals practice. And not just A.J. Green, but rookie Rondale Moore also looked fantastic. Dominant showing today, he said, by both of the wide receivers. Number three point, Colt McCoy, a quiet, great signing, according to Peter Schrager. So we're hitting aces across the board here Well, in that Arizona. actually makes me feel Whisper. more suspect about the uh, first two uh, nuggets. Well, I, no, it's a great quality signing because he brings not just his, you know, limited athletic ability, but his, uh, I would say, high character and ability Great to teach character. younger players. Teach your so, children well. There you go. Colt Crosby, McCoy. Stills, Nash, and McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I quite buy in the A.J. Green hype yet. It'd be nice to see. I, it came from our colleague, Greg. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. One who claimed he respected you highly. So if anything, you could you know, return the respect. It's not that I doubt that he's been looking good. I'm... I'm, I have some doubts whether he keeps it going in the season, but I was expecting him to be fine last year, and it did, it did not happen. The shocking thing to me is that Larry Fitzgerald might still be on this team. This isn't a whisper, but uh, we haven't talked about it here because uh, Cliff Kingsbury said that it was up to Larry Fitzgerald, so that, that indicate, and some teammates have talked about it, so it indicates they've offered Larry Fitzgerald a contract and that Larry Fitzgerald has some interest in playing. I kind of thought Larry Fitzgerald was retired. Or that he was being well, it's forcibly been very retired. Quietly open ended, for sure. It's been. I think I thought he was getting forcibly retired, but the way that the Cardinals have publicly talked about it makes me think almost for sure that Wait, they've offered the him for a contract. Him like, like there's not a lot of that room it's up for to him, him to go like earn a spot on the team. Essentially, they offered him one of those types of contracts, probably close to the minimum. And if he wants to play for that, he can play. And if not, see ya. But they actually are leaving that open. Do you remember, Mark, like the last three or four seasons of The Office? That was yeah, kind of I depressing. Try, I try not to it's to some long, degree, but yes. It's a long timeline there. And the and the show the show was so tremendous, uh seasons one through about four, that what happened starting really in about season six through eight or nine 
Um, it started to almost remove some of the shine off the show, and you kind of wish they would have ended it sooner, like when Michael left, for instance. Um, that's kind of how I feel about Larry Fitzgerald's career. Um, he is the um, the office of wide receivers to me in the 2000s, and to see him have um, who is the who is the uh, Spader James Spader? I don't need like a James Spader <laughs> era of. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald in the NFL. I think last year we saw a lot to give us a clue that maybe he wasn't the guy anymore to be playing a, 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 in the wide a wide receiver in the NFL. But hey, he's he's also inclined to do whatever he wants. Well, it's it's an apt comparison. At what? So when does he just does he decide like on September eighth I'm going to show up and play? I mean, it's this would be the time to maybe show up if you're going to do it. We're might, here might be a sign he is going to retire. I mean, we saw we saw Jerry Rice, you know, get cut by. A few teams. It's hard to keep track of which one was the last one. The Seahawks was that his yeah, Seattle, I think. Um, that was Spader esque. Yeah, they're he's try you would think Fitzgerald's trying to avoid that, but maybe he won't even maybe he won't even show up. The the offense, the quote unquote air raid offense in Arizona, um a lot of volume, tons of plays. They led the league and you're like, Oh, cool, they're explosive. But all they did last year, especially as things cratered down the stretch, is just throw short, 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 short. And Larry Fitzgerald, that's kind of what his thing is. They need A.J. Green, uh, or at least the modern-day version of Larry Fitzgerald. What they need is A.J. Green to be the old A.J. Green, but he might just be old A.J. Green. Nice. Well, not according to Schrager, so we'll track that. All right. Let's do uh, one more quick round. Greg. I I got a few. (laughs) Waspers. Well, you got stepped on that time, didn't you, David Schwimmer? (laughs) <laughs> it's I do if I, I do more not like want to be the, I do not want to be the swimmer. Let me be Joey, I guess. I'll, I'll be Phoebe. That's who I. Joey. No, you're not a Phoebe, Greg. You're not a Phoebe. Come on now. You're not a Joey. We're we're, we're struggling I'm more to find Chandler your character type, here. So I'm gonna grab Chandler. Uh, Mark, it's been established a as swimmer. I'm gonna be that the guy <laughs> who owned the the coffee place. Um, uh, he just passed there. away. I think it's a little too soon for that. Could you be any more insensitive? See, I'm Chandler. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go, because it's all been sunshine and roses, I'm going to go negative here. Uh, Adam Beasley, longtime reporter for the Dolphins, covering the Dolphins, now works for Pro Football Network, PFN, uh, says there's concerns about Jalen Waddell, you know, their number six overall pick, Oh, that he has not fully recovered from the ankle injury that he played through in the national championship. You'll remember that he is limping that there is concern within the building. He has not regained his same explosiveness. Oh, no. He did not have surgery, I don't believe, and and it seemed like he went the rehab route and that, like, they're trying to sell it as, like, 90% of Waddle still faster than plenty of people, and he's out there, he's practicing, but when they asked Waddle about it, his answer was, well, I'm out here practicing, and that's, oh. that's all that matters. So that it, it kind of indicates he knows exactly what he's talking about here. That ankle is taped and that that's a concern. Cause you, you, uh, you went all out to get this kid and you, you want him to make a fact uh, be a factor right away. Also, if you're less than a hundred percent on August 1st, mm-hmm. when you start getting your ass kicked in the NFL, it's, it's probably something that could get worse. Ah, that's, you hate to hear that. Well, that's a tough situation. Think about the fact they traded up to get um, him. I mean, they gave away draft assets to get this guy. In other wide receiver injury news, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh, Harbaugh said that Marquise Brown suffered a hamstring injury that's actually more significant than originally believed. That's going to lead to Rashad Bateman, their rookie, 
first round pick and also Sammy Watkins to get more opportunities. But Sammy Watkins, of course, is always hurt. And there's always an injury right around the corner with that former Mm. first round pick. And Bateman, it's, you know, you could go Justin Jefferson or you could go Jalen Rager or any other insert rookie that doesn't really break out here. Um, That's putting a lot on his plate. Um, if Marquise Brown is dealing with injuries and that comes at the same time, Lamar Jackson, he's not going to be back at practice till until Friday at the earliest. We don't need to belabor this, but we just talked about it with Kirk cousins because he's not vaccinated. His timetable is different and he's going to be out now the first two weeks of camp, at least because of his latest bout with COVID with no guarantee that he doesn't catch it again. Um, so put it all together, this is a Ravens team hmm. that needs to take a step forward on offense, and this thing's a little jumbled here in the summer anyway. Again, no well, panic. It's just a whisper. Bateman, though, has been getting rave reports, and actually so is Sammy Watkins, and I understand like we can you know, pump the brakes on him at any yeah, moment. Yeah, we will. But, but, and I know it's Greg Roman who is, you know, he was with him in Buffalo, but said he's just been by far the best wide receiver at camp. So at least, you know, the guys on the field are looking pretty good. He said he was one of the best receivers in all of football. That actually was, right. was so outlandish that I thought he is the one calling the plays. And Sammy Watkins has not entered a training camp healthy in a while. So you're right, Dan. I have, we've been burned so many times. It might end any second now. But um, if you want to tell me Watkins, Wally stays healthy as their number one receiver, I would totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Mark. Um, I will go to uh, the New York Giants training camp and the Athletics' Dan Dugan mentioned that the G-Men, I'm just going to read what he wrote because I love this paragraph. The G-Men have thrown an excessive number of fades into the end zone with little success. (laughs) Quarterback Daniel Jones and new big money receiver Kenny Galladay have struggled to get into rhythm on the timing throws, so they've stayed after some practices to get extra reps. Jones was intercepted by safety Logan Ryan on an overthrown fade to tight end Evan Ingram on Friday's practice, and it just sounds like last year's 31st ranked offense is struggling at the moment. That was my get, I mean, end quote. It is. I don't think it's uh, Daniel Jones or Kenny Galladay's fault that stupid offensive play callers are still calling for the end zone fade. Horrible play. <laughs> Never works. It works like once every, you know, 75 plays. Uh, it's the hardest throw to make in the entire world. Can we stop attempting it? Right. I don't think that's the only play that's not working for them, but you are right about that particular play call. That is, um, it is a reminder too. they... We're like one of the worst teams inside the 10 yard line ever. That's how you have a quarterback end up with 11 touchdowns. That's <laughs> like, how, you think of how many throws Daniel Jones threw inside the 10 yard line that weren't complete last year. I'm, I'm not going to go too think, crazy. Early, think how much but. better you'll do inside the 10 with Saquon Barkley there, who's quote making tangible progress toward returning to practice. Uh, but, you know, the longer yeah. it takes him to return to practice, the more you con- concerned about what kind of Saquon Barkley you get. And if he's going to be ready week one, hopefully he's there because the offense will be a lot better uh, with Barkley. Uh, let's um, we haven't really it's weird. And this isn't just our show in general. The Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence aren't getting a ton of pop because I don't know. There's just no buzz and sexiness to a guy that's the number one pick six months before the draft. And you just assume certain things. But interesting stuff going on in Jacksonville where Trevor Lawrence has alternated repetitions with the first-team offense through the first four days of training camp. Um, he's done very well, uh, but C.J. Beathard and Gardner Minshew also getting plenty of work here. And um, new head coach Urban Meyer, um, you know, he's he's out there. He's, a, you know, of course, a legendary college coach and 
He's giving you the rah-rah stuff with, hey, the best man, may the best man win. But can we cut it out? I mean, let the best man start. The best man is, of course, Tre- uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence, who's the a generational-type prospect, a quarterback. So I say give him every single rep. Give him every rep and get this kid ready for week one and stop playing this game, this college game, because you're not in college anymore. This is where mm. the big boys put on the big boy pants, Mr. Meyer. Give Trevor Lawrence the gig. I agree with that. And g- give uh, Gardner Minshew to the Colts for, for like nothing, just for my own enjoyment. I, w- I want to see that. That would be a spicy trade. It just You have to wonder if the Jacksonville Jaguars would be so self-confident to do like what Bill Belichick did, you know, trading Drew Bledsoe in the division to the Bills way back when. I mean, would the Jaguars consider that a tradable spot? I don't know. Look at Mark comparing Minshew to uh, who you know the, the guy who had the biggest contract in NFL history at at that time. I mean, the Colts would still go one and four with Minshew, but think of all the cool mustaches in the crowd at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. So no, awesome. they'd probably go four okay. and one to be honest. He can't. Here's be suppressed. why the Jags aren't getting much buzz. By the way, the Athletic doesn't have a Jaguars writer right now. I need that. Rely on you, Athletic, for all the teams. Uh, Florida Times Union, totally understand um, the economic model for newspapers. Not sustainable. Can't get those articles. There's no, there's nothing coming out of Jaguars practice know. right now. It's already like <laughs> the smallest market. Big cat country. You know, I see you. Um, but that's more aggregation. We need, right? there's no reporting. It's like a, it's like a black hole right now. We need, we need more. Media blackout in Duval. <laughs> If you're out there, Jags fans, and um, you have a trusted source uh, that you believe in for reporting out of Duval County, please hit up at Greg Rosenthal. Right. I'm doing the debrief. Check it out. It's up on Mondays. It's like all the notes, what we learned from around the league. And and it's it's just tough. There's a couple black holes, but Jacksonville, it's tough to find any information out of there. All right. Anybody else have anything? I think we hit it. I'm good. It's good. How How about this? I feel bad for the Cowboys. No, don't feel bad for the Cowboys. What? You know, I've been kind of like bringing up all the bad stuff with Dak and, you know, Dak not throwing, like, that is significant. And and Lawrence is coming off back surgery and Cooper's been out seven months. Those are, those are all significant. Uh, so is the fact that Tyron Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, who have not been healthy in years, sh- have showed up looking about as good as they have in years and are two of the truly elite athletic players at their respective positions if those two guys were actually at their best this year like that that changes the cowboys so there's a little positive news for the cowboys eight and nine or nine and eight mark uh eight and nine i'm not getting sucked in this year greg it's happened to me too many times in the past so we're what we're rolling washington i don't know that is a that is an absolutely absurd division of football in fact coming up soon we're going to do our division power rankings um I call them the overly esoteric division power rankings. That's coming up soon. Um, the O E D P R Otiper. See if like uh, who's the guy that was on our show, um, Aaron Chats. Right. If he can just come up with DVOA and that becomes industry standard, Otiper. Yeah, people. People overly all, esoteric know, division power rankings. The people whispered. You know, they thought this was only like kind of an off season dead of the off-season type of content, but the division power ring is coming right back in the middle of August. <laughs> People are surprised. Well, Greg's like, already, if only Greg's I would have thought of it. it in June, but I didn't. I thought of it in August. So. No, I like it. I like um, it. That's coming up soon. We'll figure out what's the best division, what's the worst division. Uh, I don't know what to think about. I mean, who is the 
the in the desert, Greg, who's the recognized division favorite? Is it is it the Cowboys? I think so, but I don't yeah. know off the top of my head. I think what I noticed was the Cowboys and Washington were way ahead of the other two. And to me, you could shake up all four of those, and I feel like they all have a chance. Even, and even, even the Eagles. You know, we'll find out during yeah. five long hours of hard knocks with Jerry Jones waxing poetic nonstop <laughs> from wire to wire. Oh. Listen, I'm the only one that has to watch it, Mark. You do not have to watch it. Well, I I've have actually the right really, to I, I've enjoyed them. You know, I'm not a cynic against hard knocks, but I mean, when, you know, if you're going Cowboys, you're you gonna... are. You're like the <laughs> definition of a cynic against hard knocks. If if anyone in the country is a cynic of hard knocks, it is. You, it you is literally Mark just said, Mark, uh, during five long hours of hard well, knocks, like they, that is I the think definition they, they, of being cynical about it. It is an opportunity to do something special and te- teach us things we don't know. So if you're going Cowboys, it's just like, I, like you, tell me that I have a little bit of a reason to be on edge about that as the chosen team. Mark, do you know how much like battery power I could save or like usage I could save on my cell phone if I just deleted the hundreds of tweet texts that you've sent over the years about how much you don't like hard knocks while it's happening. <laughs> like that, that's taking up. Huge, Except for the Brown season. Space. The Brown season was like uh, transcendent on every level. That was excellent episode. television. Beautiful television. <laughs> Greg, by the way, some of the things that I text you are not to be announced on the podcast in front of, you know, however large the audience is just an FYI. Trillions. All right. Good app. We'll be back Thursday with another edition of the show. I think we might have a guest sitting in. We're working on it. Um, and uh, the Around the NFL broadcast and NFL Network also back on Friday. Also big things cooking over on that front um, with a reboot coming for week one of the season. We'll get, get you more info on that soon. Uh, head on over, if you can, to uh, iTunes and rate and review this fair podcast it makes a difference we won best new podcast 2013 uh apple bestowed that (laughs) upon us and we are looking for more hardware it's officially it it has come uh, to the point where we need to ramp up the awareness uh of this podcast for the um award giving cognoscenti we won we won the stitcher and 2014 right best podcast right. best sports right. podcast we were nominated for some some we've been nominated a bunch. last it's, year but we it's forgot. susan lucci-esque we've been nominated a bunch but i think if, if our fans help raise the profile via uh, itunes i think if i had to guess and i don't want to be cynical here but in the absurd uh world that is giving away trophies to podcasts uh that <laughs> is a substantial thing that happens in the world now if I had to guess, I bet a bunch of these jabronis just go over to the podcast, the Apple podcast, and they see who has the highest stars and who has the most comments. And then uh, they say, all right, give these jabrones a, a trophy and a big spot. Uh, well, so I'd say let's real test talk, the model. it's been a dry spell and I don't see it ending anytime soon mm-hmm. with the way these things work. Just that, you know, do we deserve it? Absolutely. Will we get it? Absolutely not. I like to think that they're doing a lot of research, that they're going back to the August 2nd episode and they're like, mm. well, Mark did talk through that sound drop. I guess uh, I guess we'll go with the fantasy footballers this year for our, our award. <laughs> yeah, Pin it on me. You, that's fine. I can, can take you it. clean that up with the talking over my drops because I put a lot of work into that. I think I've explained game. why that happened and how it happened, and I, would, I think the finger points to someone else. All right. Good stuff. Ricky's just sitting it out. That's fine. We'll be back again (laughs) on Thursday. (laughs) All right. Till Thursday. Heed the call. 